so long as every person in the world has a subluxation and it produces dis-ease and it can be proven and printed that adjustment gets him well, then every person in the world is going to demand chiropractic so long as there exists one person with a subluxation and they remain sick. What, what is it about chiropractic that we have not, that we're still like the best kept, kept healthcare secret out there? I don't understand. I don't understand. I had patients coming in yesterday. I almost had six or eight patients saying, I don't know how I'd live without chiropractic care. I don't know what I would do if it wasn't for chiropractic. Right? I just had a pregnant mama watch it. She just had her baby a couple days ago, brought in her, her newborn yesterday, and she said, uh, obviously, what you did helped this pregnancy and, my, and helped my labor because it sure didn't happen the last, that way last time. And you were the difference, right? And she's like, I don't know what I would have done. I probably would end up maybe with a C-section, you know? And she was having a home birth. And she said, you know, I was, you know, the, the first time transport, this, that, problems, this. You know, what we do is so huge but we don't tell enough people about it, right? Why don't we tell people, what are we so afraid of to telling people about this? Well, what, how come I, and I'm, I'm very fortunate that I've been able to figure this out, how come I can see so many kids in my practice and so many pregnant mamas in my practice, but so many chiropractors say, you can't do that. I've had chiropractors to my face say, you can't make a living seeing kids. Oh. What have I been doing for the last 32 years? Right? I don't understand. It, 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 maybe they can't make a living this way. And once again, and I've said this before, and I always say this, there's nothing wrong with pain-based chiropractic. That's great. But that's not my reason. Right? Now, I see a lot of people with pain because a lot of people have pain. You know, 80% of people are going to have pain in any given year at any given time. So we have this, this unbelievable market for pain, which is great. But that's not it, right? That's the thing that I want everybody to understand is that's not it. And, and what have we sold the world? We've sold the world that chiropractic is a pain management system. That you go get adjusted and you feel better. But what that inherently includes is just like if you're taking Tylenol because you have pain, well, you don't keep on taking Tylenol every day right? Once the pain's gone, you stop. It's just the same thing, right? Well, pain's gone, I guess I should stop. And then chiropractors wonder how come our patients don't understand what it is we do. But if you don't explain it to them, you know, if you don't tell them chiropractic is much more than just about making someone feel better. It's even more, it's even more than making the kid feel better, right? A child comes into my practice and they they have colic and reflux, I'm not adjusting them to get rid of their colic and reflux. I'm adjusting them to change the way their brain interprets the food that's going into their bodies. Their brain is looking at the food and saying, this is bad. So every time mommy feeds me, whether mommy's nursing me or mommy is, is giving me a bottle, this is bad. So now I'm going to have a reaction to this. But that doesn't make sense because you're giving nutrients to the child. So if you think about it, the brain, think about their little brains. Their brains are saying, okay, I'm hungry, I'm, I cry, I'm hungry. So I feel satisfied, but then I'll develop reflux, which is I'm gonna, my body is 
not happy with the so I'm gonna burp it up and partially digest it and it's gonna burn my throat or it's gonna go down into my intestines and there I'm gonna develop such horrible gas to whatever you gave me that I'm gonna cry three hours you know, a day three times a week for three weeks, right? As, which is the traditional colic diagnosis. So how would that make sense? So when you look at someone, a child with colic or reflux, you've got to look at them is your, your brain is misinterpreting food. And that's not a good thing. And, 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 and this doesn't even just apply to, to babies. What about adults who come in? Well, how many adults are taking antacids all the time? They're taking Nexium and they're taking Prilosec and Prevacid and all these things. And they're taking this all the time. It's because your brain is misinterpreting the food you're eating. Now, yes, you might be eating some, especially as an adult, you might be eating some very bad combinations of foods. But that's either way, you know, like, if this was several hundred years ago, you'd just be happy to eat whatever the hell you got. Like whatever you grew on your farm or you killed the cows that you were you know, raising or the chickens, you ate some eggs or whatever, right? It, it would not be a very good survival mechanism if every time you ate something you'd get indigestion, right? That would not work, right? So what that is, is the brain is misinterpreting food. When a child has nursing problems latching and nursing problems it's the same thing if a child the only way a child can get sustenance is if they nurse and we saw a child the other day who's having all these nursing problems this is a brain problem now you can say oh well but it's the tongue tie that's making the child have a harder time getting this absolutely that could be it or it could be a subluxation or it could be any of these you know kind of things but the whole thing I want you to think about is like BJ says here uh, at, the, at the very top when we, I first started reading every spine has a subluxation every spine there are no spines that don't have subluxations except maybe occasionally I'll see a newborn with like yesterday the, the newborn that uh, this mom brought in only had an atlas subluxation that was it that was really cool sometimes they'll bring in newborns and there'll be no subluxations um, but every spine has a subluxation Every subluxation is producing dis-ease in one or more places. Let's not confuse the word dis-ease with disease. Disease is, is, a, is a classified illness. Dis-ease is disharmony, right? Lack of potential. Something is wrong in that particular area. And that's what it is that we are working on. We are, are trying to say to our patients and teach them the child's brain when he or she is supposed to be nursing does not understand how to do this so yes they might have a physical issue like a tongue tie or whatever but the real issue is that the brain is misinterpreting how i'm supposed to do this and it's the most natural thing to do eating pooping and sleeping are the three things that babies are supposed to be born to do that's their function in their first year or so, essentially, is eat, poop, sleep, repeat, right? 
if you can't do that, if there's problems eating because of latching or because of digesting, if there's problems pooping because kids are having issues with constipation, which is also rampant, if there's problems sleeping, which happens a lot of times because if a baby can't eat very well and can't poop very well, they're probably not going to sleep very well, then they're stuck in sympathetics. What that means is their brain is shifted from a balanced state of sympathetic, parasympathetic, hierarchical, you know, uh, I, parasympathetic means I need to rest, I need to digest, I need to relax, I need to calm myself down. Sympathetic is I need to, now I'm stressed, I need to t talk to my mommy. There's only one way to talk to my mommy, I cry. The baby has to learn how to alternate between sympathetics and parasympathetics. It has to learn how to do that. But most kids are stuck in sympathetics if, <clears throat> if they have these sorts of issues. If the baby has colic, or reflux like we talked about last week, or latching and nursing problems, they are stuck in sympathetics. Why? Why? It's because their bodies are misinterpreting cues of the environment. And their brains are not working the way they're supposed to. So if, if the baby gets food into their system, but it makes them cry, that's a misinterpretation. If the baby is trying to nurse and it can't figure out how to do that, that's a misinterpretation. And you can say, you can solve the problem, quote unquote, by saying, well, if the baby can't nurse, then stick a bottle in the kid's mouth. Well, yeah, that will get food into the baby, but that's not fixing the brain problem. And then the biggest issue is that if you don't fix the brain problem at that time, when they're little munchkins, a couple of months old, now, you, you fast forward this five years, and now they're in school. And now the parents are saying, why is my kid getting all these bad grades? Why is my kid having these reading problems? Why is my kid uh, uh, hyperactive? Where did all this come from? He was totally fine. No, he wasn't fine. And this is how you have to do a history. When you take a history, you don't just take a history about the present moment of the illness. In other words, how long is the child been with, you know, had an ADHD diagnosis. Well, I just uh, got diagnosed a couple weeks ago because he just started school, you know, this week. And then the teachers are saying he's bouncing off the wall. So, so it really just started. No, it didn't just start. You have to go backwards. Well, t tell me about your pregnancy. Tell me about the birth. Well, what does that have to do with anything? I'm talking about my five-year-old. <clears throat> well, I get that, but we need to know. But I don't understand. He's, we're talking, the problem started now. He just started school. He has problems now. This is when the problem started. No, this is not when the problem started. This is when you're seeing it. This is when you're seeing the brain function that was down already when they couldn't nurse and they couldn't eat and digest food and they couldn't sleep. That's what we, what we need to explain to our patients because now you want to explain, well, why do you need to see the kid for six months or a year on a care plan? The reason you need to see them is because we've got to change a pattern that's been there since they were born. And people don't explain that to our, our patients. They don't look backwards. And the health professionals that they're dealing with never look backwards like that. And that's just not part of their thing. They'll just say, oh, yeah, well, he's got ADHD. Here's Ritalin. But that's not the problem. That's not solving anything. Giving a child a drug is not going to solve the problem of why is the brain messed up in the first place. So that's what BJ is talking about when he says this. He says, so long as every person in the world is a subluxation produces dis-ease, <clears throat> then there's always going to be a demand for chiropractic, but the demand for chiropractic is going to come if we tell them. 
Because if people don't know this information, and this isn't like what I'm talking about isn't like a chiropractic <clears throat> only thing. There are other people, there are naturopaths who are probably saying this and acupuncturists, you know, and holistic you know, medical doctors. There are other people saying the same basic kind of thing that the, a diseased brain produces <clears throat> information that is not harmonious for that child. And there are a lot of different avenues to get into changing that kid's brain. But chiropractic to me is in a very unique position and has been for years, which is why I am in this niche of taking care of special needs kids and neurodiverse kids. We, are, we have this ability because we see the kids a lot more than a traditional medical doctor or an acupuncturist or a naturopath, right? Where I'm seeing these kids two or three times a week. We have the ability to, to make such unbelievable change if we could just get more kids under care. And what I'm asking you guys, you guys here, <clears throat> is if this is something you want, then, then start now. Start in student clinic, start in outpatient clinic. In student, yeah, you gotta learn how to adjust adults, I get that, you know. That's, it's not, you, you gotta, you, as I've said, you have to adjust adults because they are the ones with the kids, right? So you have to learn that, right? So adjust the adults, but you gotta, you gotta get kids in. If you're seeing, you know, every one of your student patients, ask them. You got kids? Bring them. Bring them in. Every one of your adult patients, an outpatient, if you're an outpatient clinic, every one of them, we got to see your kids. We got to check them in. And don't say, I want to see how their posture is. Who the hell cares, right? That is like the most boring, unimportant thing. We have to check and see if the backpack is too heavy. Okay, if that works, great. If that's a, an, a, an idea, great. How about say, we want to see if, like, how, how their brain is interacting with the environment. I want to see, do, is, this, is your child really understanding what's coming in and really in, having the correct interpretation of what's going out? Let's, and because the reason that's important is because like, they can measure the backpack at home. Right? They can put the backpack on a scale and say it's 50 pounds, my kid weighs 60 pounds, this is not good. Right? That's not a hard thing and that doesn't take a chiropractor to figure that out. Right? But it takes a chiropractor to say, all right, their brain is misinterpreting the environment. How do we know that? You know, and Life University has a great exam that myself and Dr. Stockwell created for you guys, a pediatric exam that has all the stuff you need on it to help brain interpretation. So you don't, like orthopedic tests, you gotta know those things, they're all important, right? They're on national boards, they're on OSCEs, you know, blah, blah, blah. In my practice, it, with the exception of maybe someone has like sciatic pain or whatever, and I'll do a couple of orthopedic tests, I don't really play with a lot of orthopedic tests because it doesn't give me information I need, right? I do tests in my office that either A, tell me where to adjust, or B, or how to adjust for that matter, if the child is ready for a certain kind of adjustment, or B, tells me exercises I need to give the child in order to help them. That's why I do any sorts of testing, is for information that's useful for me. So, so what, what I'm asking you guys to really think about is to flood your clinic practices now with kids. Because if you get what I'm saying, then you'll understand that the way we're gonna change chiropractic is not through the current adults that we're adjusting. It's through the kids. 
when they get to be 20 years old. So this is a long-term project of mine personally, but I'm, I know that all the kids that I see in my practice, when they get older, they'll continue getting adjusted. Their spouses will get adjusted and their kids will get adjusted. And ex as examples, I have a number of, of patients who have started seeing at like three years old and now they're married with kids and now their husband comes and their kids come. So I have generations of children who you know, started three years old and now they're 20 something you know, with jobs and families and kids. And that's how it's gonna begin, right? We're not gonna make a massive change like this as much as I'd love to say, oh my God, all of a sudden one day, bam, chiropractic now is universal. No, it won't happen. It'll happen because so many kids were getting adjusted now because you were adjusting them that 20 years from now, when you guys are all in your 40s and 50s, 20 years from now, all of a sudden now, there's gonna be a groundswell of, like there'll be this trickling up kind of thing. Because if we don't do this, then chiropractic will stay the same as it was when I graduated in 1989, we saw 10% of the population. Then we're seeing 10% of the population now. That's wrong. That's called bad marketing. If I was Coca-Cola, I'd be pissed, right? That's, Coca-Cola's got a, guess, guess what market share Coca-Cola has in the world? 43%. That means when someone thinks about a drink in the United States of America, 43% of the time they think about the word Coca-Cola. 43%. And what that shows you, if chiropractic is at 10%, that's just for back pain. That's not even for healthcare, right? If you say, what's, what's, the, what's your term for healthcare? What do you think about healthcare? Most people in the United States would probably, I don't know, because I've never seen this poll. They'd probably say, oh, uh, go to the doctor, right? They wouldn't say chiropractor unless they were a chiropractic patient and you educated them, right? So it's up to us. It's up to us to, to, to do what BJ says and to say and to understand that if, if so long as every person works on a subluxation and produces disease, then people are going to demand, demand what we have. People want what we have. You just have to make sure they get it by using your mouth to tell them. <clears throat>